reads. Now Moses used to take the tents and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of the meeting, of meeting, which was outside the camp. Say amen. Last time, it was my hope that I would work through verses 7 through 11, but I only made it to verse 7. And today, I continue in verse 7. Let's see how far I made it today. Here we notice again that there is a tent that was present there. So the idea, is it about the tent itself, or is it about the Lord's presence in the tent? We also discover that Moses, he interceded on behalf of the Hebrews, or the children of Israel. Because they had sinned against him, the Lord was ready to pour out his wrath, the full mixture of his wrath, on the children of Israel, and we heard that God was ready to make a people from Moses himself. Moses said no, and he interceded on behalf of these Israelites. Even though they were impatient, even though they were disloyal towards God, Moses interceded on their behalf God says, I will relent. And we found out in Exodus 32, verse 35, that even though God did not pour out his full wrath upon them, that he still sent a plague upon them. So now, God's people were in a difficult situation. Now they were trying to rectify their position with the Lord. And he was having none of that. And he insisted that they take, remember, all their earrings, their necklaces, and all the other stuff off if they really wanted to be with him. So now we again return to our passage and ask, again, why did Moses set up a tent of meeting away from the camp of, Ish of the Israelites? Again, we discover it's because of their sinfulness. It disqualified them from being as close as they could with the Lord. They will still have access through Moses, but they themselves, uh, when they came near to God, God said, no, I'm not having any of that. Remember at one point, when Moses went up on the mountain, God said, well, Moses, you make sure that you tell the people not to come up on this mountain. No person, no animal. Because God said, if you come up on this mountain, I want you to know strike you all down dead because you are coming to me any kind of way but you must remember that I am holy and if unholiness comes upon holiness then the unholiness will be undone what about your relationship with the Lord are you near does God want you at arm's length today? When you come near God uh, today, does God 
that many of us are so quick to criticize one person for their hypocrisy. Yet yeah, we ourselves are the biggest religious hypocrite that there can be. Here in this situation, hundreds of thousands of people, one person was allowed access to the Lord, and it was Moses. Instead of constantly provoking the Lord, as did the children of Israel, Moses kept getting nearer and closer to the Lord. Hundreds of thousands of people delivered out of a hostile and dark spiritual climate of Egypt. That environment tainted their relationship with God. I said last time that we recall the idea of being in bondage. They were in bondage for 400 years. 400 years the children of Israel were in bondage. And God delivers them, He redeems them from Egypt. And they're gone out of Egypt for about a couple of weeks. And the first thing they want is, let's go back. Some people think that. Uh, it's better to be in bondage than it is to be in a place of freedom when you can't see in front of you. But Moses himself, he was not having any of that. He was not uh, allowing the people to influence his relationship with God because he knew it was too precious. Now, how many of us, when we go to work, how many of us, when we go to school, that the moment that you get where you're going, you act and behave just like everybody else did? You are instantly tainted. Your mind is tainted. That's probably because you have not been transformed up here and here. People on your job are probably hearing the news that you're a Christian. I don't know they were Christian. They curse just like the rest of us. They act just like the rest of us. You want to see them when you're not around. See, many of us are too easily influenced by the pull of those outside of Christ uh, to the point that, uh, again, they can't tell the difference between the Christ lovers and the lovers of the world. We talk like them. We act like them. Why is that? Because we need to we need a chance. Verse 7 again says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. Again, if you take a look at the verses 7 all the way through 11, and if you count the amount of times you see the word tent, or it's pronoun, right? Tent or it, tent or it, you will discover that it happens about 11 times. What is a tent? It is a tool used to cover oneself from the environmental elements. If you're outside, and you're out there for days, that you need shelter. You see, that's what a tent is awesome. Uh, there's a gentleman that you may have heard uh, this past week. Uh, they, they ran a story on the news that he had uh, cr crossed the, uh, uh, the Arctic all by himself. All by him and a, and a couple of cameras and batteries. And when I looked at some of the footage, he was in this tent, freezing, shivering, 
and say, I don't think I'm going to make it. I think this was, this was wrong. Yeah, you figured, right? You're going to argue all by yourself. I could have figured that out for myself before I even thought of the decision to do it. But for him, what kept him covered from the outside elements, even though it was cold, it was his tent. See, a tent covers, a tent protects a person to keep them safe from the rain, from the wind, from the snow, and sometimes even from the intrusion of wild animals, if that's possible. But as with the people, the children of Israel, it also represented a dwelling place or a home. This tent, as we say in scripture, would later be known as a tabernacle. And ultimately a temple where one could go and meet the Lord. But here in our passage, right? What was being covered? What was being protected from the outside elements? Think about that for a second. As you know, Moses, he had his own tent that, uh, that he had with his family and his wife. Did God need a tent? So what was the deal? I think that what was being protected was not those that were on the inside, it was those on the outside. What? I believe that what was being protected was not the people on the inside, but those on the outside. You see, when God came down in that cloud and he entered into that tent and Moses stepped foot in that tent and there was this holiness that was going on. Well, scripture says, God says that he's too holy for anybody to see his face and live. You think that you're going to walk in on God and be all right? Remember when, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai for receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, how he had changed? You remember that? You remember that he had gone up a young man and come down all whitehead? Do you recall that? You see, you can't be in the presence of God and come out the same way. Something must change. And if nothing changes, there's nothing wrong with God. God's been around since before time. So if you go into the presence of God and you never change, is there something wrong with God? Or is there something wrong with me? Guess what? God is God. He says, I change not. We always change our emotions. Oh, I don't feel like doing this today. Oh, I don't feel like doing that today. Oh, and God says, I'm God, and I change it not. He is, the theological term, is immune. That God is not going to change. Therefore, what was being protected was not those on the inside, was not the presence of God, was not Moses, but God was protecting the children of Israel. Before we 
discovered that God's people had been disobedient to the point that God wanted to do away with them. And you are in a bad place. You are in a bad place when God wants to do bad by you. You've done wrong, and God comes after you. Uh, you are in a bad place. Yeah. Some people call God the, uh, the hound from heaven. That God will pursue you to the ends of the earth until he has had your way. There's only one uh, a true negotiator in, in all of human history, and that true negotiator is God. See, God will have his way, and God will have the last word. Again, this is why the priests, when they went into the tabernacle uh, uh, the right way, uh, they would not be struck down, but if they went in the wrong way, they would be struck down for their sin sinfulness. But us, we always assume the Lord will take anything we give him. We always assume God will take anything we give him. But we know that's not true, because even in the Old Testament, God did not want a, a one-eyed cow for a sacrifice. God did not want a living, a living goat as one of the sacrifices. God did not want a nearsighted uh, person to come into his presence. Did you, did you know that? Did you know that if the priests didn't see well, if the priests were, were selected to go into the holies of holies, that they could not go in if they needed glasses? Did you realize that God would strike them down? Why? God only takes perfection. God only takes the best. Why? When we come into the presence of the Lord, only half-hearted. You think God wants our half of our hearts to worship? God wants us all. He wants us to abandon ourselves and worship before him because there's only one creator and he is it. There is no other. How do you see the Lord? Some think, well, I can only worship the Lord. I've heard this before. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this story. Most of you already know that I'm a musician as well. Do you realize that some of the churches, you know, go in there and they play the organ, right? And some people say, no, the only time I get ready uh, to go is when that organ for me goes and brings me to the presence of the Lord. One time I was at the church and I was sitting next to the organ player and he was playing. He says, watch this. This is what, this is what he said. This is what he told me. I'm like, watch that. He said, watch this. So he's playing. He says, now watch. He says, now watch when I drop down an octave. Watch what happens. He drops the music down and off, starts getting low and rumbled. And then people, then they start shouting and things like that. He says, now watch this. Takes his foot off, starts playing again. See? People think that they're getting close to the Lord, and you have people back there manipulating the scene. Manipulating the scene. That's why our worship must come from a true heart. Not to be manipulated by an organ, not to be manipulated by a preacher, but it comes from within, out of faithfulness for who God is. If we can't get there, we'll never have 
the true presence of the Lord, it will always be manufactured. Always thinking, always assuming that God just wants our leftovers. You don't even want your leftovers most of the time. Why would God want yours? But again, presumptuousness has caused many people to be disciplined before the Lord. As I said last night, not only Old Testament saints, but also those in the New Testament. Here's another one. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 12. Last time we saw 1 Corinthians 11. Now this time, Hebrews 12, of verse 6, we'll start there. And the passage reads, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son or daughter whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons or daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? In other words, if you have a father and your father never disciplines you, then sometimes you can assume maybe your father and mother don't even love you. Boy, my, my mother's father, they love me. Ooh, they love me. They probably love me a little bit too much. You say amen? Nice as, he, you know, David, he's a nice 
So don't think the Lord doesn't care or has turned a blind eye, eye to you because he has it. We still must live a life of repentance and contrition with joy before him. So this tent is a place where Moses met the Lord. Where do you go to meet the Lord? Why did Moses just say, you know what? You know, we're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. So I'm just going to meet the Lord every time we take the tent up and we walk along the way. Because after all, Lord, you have to understand how busy I am. Here I am. I'm the main leader of hundreds of thousands of people. I never get a break. They're around me 24 hours, seven days a week for four. Can you imagine being around the people on your job for 24 hours, seven days a week for 40 years? Moses had hundreds of thousands of people around him 24 hours, seven days a week. Never got a break. He could say, okay, y'all, uh, uh, year seven, I'm going on sabbatical. You can say, okay, y'all, today, uh, me and my family, we're going on vacation, so we see you when we get back in two weeks. But uh-uh, they are your vacation. So even in the midst of that, Moses still had to stop and spend time with God. Those hundreds of thousands of people never went anywhere. Never. Never went anywhere. But Moses had to stop. It was outside. It was outside the camp. Right? And we know why. But Moses had to stop and be with God. That's just question. If Moses had to be around hundreds of thousands, I'm not talking about 100, hundreds of thousands, because by the time they made it to the promised land, it was about a million people. But at this point, there's hundreds of thousands of people. If Moses uh, could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with hundreds of thousands of people for 40 years and still find time to be with the Lord, why can't you? Why can't we? How come we can't eat out 30 minutes for God during the course of the day? Well, I just don't have time. Because I got up, it was late. Got up and this happened. This Moses, uh, it didn't matter to him because he knew that the success of the people, that his success, it depended upon what being with God. Brothers and sisters, your success, my success, the success of our church, the success of your family. It depends on what? Being with God. If you are not with God, you will have problems. You see, because all of us go through mess. All of us. You say amen on that? But how do we handle the mess, you see? Some people lose their last mind. Other folks, they go through the stuff and they just keep on walking. You just want to go, how? See, it's because of God's grace. Because they have learned that God's grace is, is better than the, uh, than the hell that the devil brings them. See, the devil will always confuse you. He will always bring division and 
job. It will always cause confusion in the grocery store. It will always happen. If you are walking with God, your mind will be clear. Because God will show you the way, even when you don't know the way to go. You hear what I'm saying? Even when you don't know the way to go, God will show you the way. Forty years in the wilderness. No maps. No GPS. No smartphones. No one saying, this is the way to go. How did they make it to the promised land? Try it again. No GPS. No maps. No smartphones. They didn't know where they were going. How did they get to the promised land? God showed them. See, sometimes what it takes for us to get where we're going is the help of the Spirit and putting one foot in front of the other, all while trusting God. God, I don't know where this next step is going to take me, but I'm trusting you. And everything, give thanks to the Lord, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I don't have the wisdom. Uh, your word says, if any man or woman likes wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach, and it shall be given to him if they believe in faith. And then we wonder, how do we get where we get? Because every inch of faith, every moment that we trust in God, it leads us closer to where he wants us to be. And don't think you've done it on your own power because you haven't. It's because of his faithfulness. It's because of his love. It's because of his grace. This is why we trust God. Well, here we go again. Just all I can say is, uh, for now, just forgive me. We'll, we'll finish this message one way or another. It continues next week. And this is still the first message in a series of eight. And next week will be week three of the first message. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you so much. Lord God, we want to thank you, Lord God, for your love and what you're doing in our midst, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord God, for welling up on the inside of us the need for your presence, Lord God, without which we are undone, Lord God. Have your way with us today, Lord God. Move in our spirit today, Lord God. And let us not forget that we met with you this Sunday. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless your holy name, Lord. Lord God, we want to thank you because we know that you're real. We want to thank you, Lord God, because you have saved us. We want to thank you, Lord God, because you're speaking to us, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, because there's no one else like you, Lord God. We want to thank you, Lord God, because you are the true God, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Bless you. Father, forgive us 
Again, for being far, when we desperately need to be near. Let us throw all those things aside and let us feed upon you. Feed upon your presence, O oh God. Come near to us, O oh God. Bless you. Is there anyone in this place today that does not know Jesus Christ? You need that presence among you. You need him. Because you have not turned from your sin, you're still living the life of a sinner because that's who you are. And you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here who want to turn from a life of sin and turn into a life of freedom in Jesus? And lift your hand in the air and we want to pray with you. Is there one in here today? Is there one in here today who want to give your life to Jesus Christ? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one in this place today? I want you to know that God loves you. And God will never leave you, will never forsake you for anything. You remember that. You remember that. So, Father, again, we thank you. May your presence go with us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand to your feet. presence